Welcome to another edition of the Inside Scoop. My name is Neil Crawford. I'm your host and also the founder of Anytime Soccer Training. If you're not familiar with the Inside Scoop, it's a podcast that's dedicated to helping parents learn about the soccer pathways that would be available to their child if they live in another city around the world. And this show is brought to you in part by Anytime Soccer Training. Anytime Soccer Training is the most comprehensive online soccer training program in the world. It's the most comprehensive because it has well over 5,000 training videos that are 100% follow along and cover every skill area. Kids love it because the average video is less than five minutes and it introduces one move per video so they can really get it and follow the progression. And coaches love the fact that they can create teams, add their logos, see that their kids are doing it, add set rewards, assign homework. They really enjoy that aspect of it. Before, they would just send them random YouTube videos and hope they're doing it. And the best part is for an annual subscription is less than a dinner for two. And for a team subscription, it's less than a cup of coffee per player per year. Let that sink in. For less than a cup of coffee, you can give your players access to well over 5,000 training videos that are 100% follow along. This is a solution to a problem that many parents, coaches, and players have. I don't want to make you feel guilty, but because it's free to join, you get a lot of free uh content if you're a coach listening to me you're almost doing your players a disservice by not sharing this free resource with them we offer free onboarding and free demos you actually don't even have to don't even have to get engaged with it unless you want to we do everything for you so check out anytime-soccer.com to learn more about what we do join the application for free uh, we send you great information like this, and we can all get better together. Now, let's get on to the show. Now, this show is going to be a quick stream of consciousness based on a something that I posted on the Facebook group. And if you're not a member of the Anytime Soccer Training Facebook group, go to Facebook, search Anytime Soccer Training Parents and Players. It will come up or click the link in the show notes. Now, if you are a member of the Facebook group, you know that every morning I lead off with a true false question. These are questions I ask the group that hopefully are either funny, thought-provoking, controversial. We go down rabbit holes, we debate, we argue, we, I, I get unfriended, refriended, called out, text, it doesn't matter. I treat the group like these are my family members and I am straight up with folks to the best of my ability. If you don't have um, this type of personality, then definitely disengage and just check in on Fridays when we try to post some memes and have fun. But the reason I uh, created the group, the reason I do this content is because when I was consuming parent education or sporting parent education, I always left thinking, ooh, this is either too general, too PC, 
they're just telling everyone what they want to hear. Every child is special. Every child learns at their own pace. Every coach is wonderful, you know, and that's fine. But I grew up in the country, real talk, you know, whatever. So I always felt like there was a need to go a little deeper. And one of the reasons why I do the true false questions um, is to highlight the absurdity of framing these, you know, these big questions, these complicated issues as black and white, which is what I also felt like um, was happening when I read a lot of parent, um, I read a lot of content targeted towards parents of athletes. So something, it may be something like um, you, something that they may say this black and white could be, you should not work with your child unless you, unless they ask you to, or your child should play multiple sports and you're a bad person if they don't. And of course, these things are true to an extent, obviously, but they can have layers to them and so that was part of the true false the part of the truth theme of the true false questions are to get people's opinions sometimes highlight the absurdity that these issues are actually com complicated and just just engage all right so why am i saying all that because this week i posted one of these questions that on the surface seems to be uh straightforward but i'm gonna add nuance that is almost impossible to communicate on chat and it's actually a very weird way of thinking and you guys have to bear with me because i'm just going free free on this without a lot of notes so here's the question i posted or and i posted it the question is something like this okay i'm adding a little bit to it so that you guys have context on the on the airways but it goes something like this hypothetically if you knew that if you got your, if you knew there were some behaviors as a parent, that if you got correct, correct, your action could lead to an 80 or 90% chance that your child become a high level professional soccer player. So let me get the wording right so we're on the same page. If you knew there was a set of behaviors out there that if you did these things, it would your child had an 80 or 90 percent chance of playing in one of these top leagues what would you do differently or would you do anything different and why do i phrase this weird question this weird hypothetical because when you're in competitive when you're in groups right with competitive athletes it's not uncommon for someone to throw out there the common statistic that we're familiar with, that there's a 1, 1.2, 1 1.3% chance that your child is going to play professionally, which I always respond back. It's actually a lot less than that when you start thinking about high-level professional athletes, right? Like playing in the EPL, La Liga, Bundesliga, it's even less than that. And I even go further to say, and I tell my sons this, and I tell other parents this, you know, you have to put this stuff into perspective. We're not even talking, we're not talking about being the best player on your team. We're not talking about being the best player in your club. We're not talking about being the best player in your league. We're not talking about being the best player in your area. We're not talking about, we're talking, we're not talking about even maybe even being the best player in your region. 
we're talking about being the best player on the East Coast before you start talking about Premier League. You were talking about being the best player on the on the West Coast when you start getting into a league and that kind of level, right? So you have to put this stuff into perspective. Well, I don't know exactly what the motivation is for people citing this statistic. I hope it's um, I hope they're honest brokers who want to help us. I think sometimes it's a bit of trolling. And I think sometimes it's just, you know, I don't even know. So I'm just guessing. But I think sometimes it's sincere saying, hey, you guys need to take a chill pill. Um, you know, it's only a 1% chance your child can, can reach a particular outcome. Well, what I am going to try to demonstrate to you today is I don't think there is a I don't think there's a lot that I would change if you told about what I'm doing now if you told me there was an 80 if I did make some changes or found the right formula there's an 80 or 90 percent chance that my child's gonna be professional or if you show me the reality of it's a one percent chance why am I saying that because I think I and I gonna I'm gonna go on a limb and say if you're listening to this part podcast with my horrible marketing, you're in the same camp. You're trying to do the best job you can with the resources available to you, considering that your child is in a competitive soccer program. Let me repeat that. You, as a parent, are trying to do the best job you can with the resources and knowledge that you have, considering that your child is in a competitive soccer program. What does that mean? Well, if they were just if they're just in a rec program, it's a lot easier. Show up. You play, have your snack, you go home, it's great. That's what my two boys do for their flag football and basketball. We don't talk about it. We don't, there's no cones. Sometimes I coach, sometimes I don't. It's a fun experience. But 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 because I know they're in this competitive soccer environment. And the adults and the kids now frame this environment slightly different and the expectation is higher. There's another layer of things I have to think about. Number one, I hope this is obvious, there's going to be a greater commitment. And number two, now I have to balance the need for self-improvement and development in the sport with the overarching uh, enjoyment of the sport. And I'm going to do a podcast on different terms, and I don't want to bore you with those now, but it's a slightly more nuanced conversation now because they're in this competitive environment. But I am going to throw something at you. It's very, very strange. I don't have like a playbook or a way of working with my, or parenting my child in sports that's based on you know their chance of becoming a professional or not 
I just look at the reality of the situation and try to plot a course that works for them. Each of my two sons, and I'm sure you have similar experiences, have different personalities. They are both in competitive programs, but that's why they're in two different clubs and the expectations for each club is different. The cultures of each club are different. Those cultures match their personalities um, um, nicely. And so, and so I don't have this, you know, I did a podcast where I talked about, you know, there's, there's on the right side things you would do if you knew you were going pro and on the left side, there are things you would do if you, uh, there on the right side, there are things you're doing. And on the left side, there are things you would be doing if you knew there was a hundred percent chance you were going to get a tryout with Manchester United. I did a podcast about that. On the right side, what is it that you're doing that you shouldn't be doing? And on the left side, what is it that needs to go over to the right side? And whatever those things are, you kind of need to do them now. That's kind of how I think about it. So there's a spectrum of commitment levels when it comes to your team and your individual uh, development. And I, uh, over the years, have calibrated that commitment level individually and with their team to my boys' personalities. So I am trying, I am constantly trying to do the best I can for them. And that involves working with them individually. But I don't work with them individually because uh, there's a 1% chance they're going to be a professional. That doesn't make any sense. And I don't work with them individually because I think that my working with them individually is going to move the needle on their chances of becoming a professional in a material, in a material way. I work with them individually because I'm a I'm I work I operate in the real world. I'm like, okay, you play this sport. I see this sport requires skill. You can't acquire these skills in team training. Even if you could a, a, acquire these skills, even if they did focus on these skills in team training, which they don't because they don't have enough time um, to do it with all the kids. It's too many kids and it's not enough time. So I'm gonna help you with that but I am going to help you at a level that works for you and at a, at a level that I think is consistent for someone who wants to reach, who uh, for someone who has your goals and you will let me know when those goals change. And it's not so linear like this. I'm going to do a podcast on a chicken and egg. I can't wait till you're 13, contrary to what some people argue. And then the, for the light bulb to go off and, and do all these things, I kind of have to it's a little bit of give and take. I'm I'm an adult. I can see your future a little bit better than you can. I have a little bit more clarity on that. But at the same time, I have to listen to your verbal and nonverbal cues. But there is not anything dramatically I would do differently. And what does that mean? Well, if you say it to me, Neil, if you find, if you, if, if I told you you need to find the right club in your area, and there's an 80% chance that, and if you find the right club, there's an 80% chance your child's going to go pro. And behind, and I'm going to use my club as a, my, my area as an example. Behind door number one, there's a MLS Next program. And that one happens to be in Wake, in Wake County. And then behind door number two, there's another MLS Next program that happens to be in a, an area we call, it's Durham, Chapel Hill. It's actually in Chapel Hill. And behind door number three, there's another massive club that 
they don't have an MLS next, but they have ENCL and they have US, I think USLE. And then behind door number four, there, uh, there's another club. It's tiny and no one's heard of it. We ranked number 1,700 in the national polls and they only have one team per age group and they only really have four teams and it's tiny and blah, 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 run by a crazy Trinidadian and they just focus on training and even the first year, the kids don't even play games and all that kind of stuff. And then behind door number five, there's some other clubs scattered around. Now that I told you that if you get the right choice, now that I told you that if you get the right if you pick the right one, um, there's an 80% chance your child is going to go pro. Well, what I'm trying to explain is I'm going to pick door number. I'm going to pick the club I'm at now because it's the best one for my child's situation right now. Right. And then other club I told you about one of the, one of the doors, I don't know if you can follow me where they don't have ML, they have ECNL, but, and then the USL, well, that's where my younger one is because that club, the culture fits what, what he's trying to do. Right. And that's just the decision I make because I'm making the best decision for my children at this particular junction of their life. I am from Charlotte. I'm from Charlotte, North Carolina. My mom lives in Charlotte. My um, brothers live in Charlotte. Um, there is no doubt in my mind. This is not proud, Papa. This is just based on what I've seen. There is zero doubt in my mind that my older son could make their MLS team, if that's if that was his heart's desire, my heart's desire. So my wife and I both were from home. It would be nothing for me to pack up, go to Charlotte, enroll, try to get him into this MLS thing. If you told me, I mean, I could, but I actually believe he's in the best training environment um, that he can be in at this moment. And I have zero desire to go anywhere else. And I'm not going to go anywhere else unless the facts on the ground change, which is he tells me, dad, I don't want to do this anymore. Or we see that he's not getting some exposure that he needs to get or whatever. Right. And the same thing with my younger one. All right. So that's just one of many, many examples. Right. And it's not uncommon for me to speak to parents. I got all these buddies in soccer. They always tell me, oh, you need to go look at this MLX next. And, and they, they mean it in a good way. And this is and what they're saying is actually pretty obvious because you get a degree of exposure. But I'm just saying, if I make that decision to go to MLS next, it's not because it's it's not necessarily because it's going to increase my chances of my son becoming a professional per se. It's because it's the right decision for him at this particular moment in time. All right. So now that we talked about one example, now let's just talk about the area of self-improvement that we kind of, I hinted on before, but I just want to go over this really, really quickly so that we're all on the same page because I'm just mainly focused on the process of self-improvement as it relates to competitive sports. And I think these concepts are universal and I'm just applying it to competitive sports. Let me just re recap what they are really quickly. I um, argue that you can apply what I call the tier system to anything you're doing to try to get better. In the tier system, it's just the pillars that all your actions rest upon. I can group all your actions into one of these pillars, basically. So the first thing, if you told me, hey, Neil, I want to become a great soccer player, you got to invest time in it, right? You got to spend more time on it. And the second thing, and I'm going to go through these quick because I did a whole podcast on this. 
there needs to be a degree of instruction. Now, when it comes to soccer, I actually don't think you need a lot of instruction relative to the time that you spend actually doing that thing. And I actually don't think you need a lot of specialized instruction. I don't know anything about gymnastics, uh, but my perception is in gymnastics we would require a lot of specialized instruction versus soccer, which is really like, hey, this is basically what you need to do. And it just takes a lot of time in other things. I do believe there, there needs to be a degree of inspiration, right? So, um, yeah, don't need a lot. A lot of the inspiration needs to come from your own in, intrinsic motivation, but there is um, some inspiration that needs to come from um, external. Then I think there needs to be uh, a degree of, and I'm adding some more to these, intrinsic motivation, which we talked about, right? So, so your development starts with I. Your development starts with you. So you need that as part of your tier system, right? I can't, if you're not motivated, I just, it's just very difficult for me to, um, um, to help you reach your full potential if I'm, if I'm pulling you every step of the way. But then, so now we go on to E and I'm at, I, again, I keep adding, adding, adding to these. You need a degree of effort, right? So you can spend time on something. I can give you some great instruction. I can inspire you. But if you're not putting forth effort, then it's probably, you're probably not going to reach your full potential. Then you also need a degree of enjoyment. Now, I said need. Enjoyment is a high like to have. And what do you mean? That's a strange thing to say. Well, I'm good at a lot of things that I don't enjoy. Right. When I was a kid, I was good at a lot of things I want to enjoy. I grew up on a farm. I was very good at getting 20 cows to follow me into a barn door. Right. And I hated it, but I was good at it because I did it all the time and it was what I had to do. So you can be good at something and not enjoy it. There are professional players who tell you, I hated every minute of it, but I had to do what I had to do for my family. Right. But this is not ideal. And it's rare that people become really good at something that they don't enjoy. Right. And that's just not healthy. But so, but enjoyment is not needed, but enjoyment is as close to needed as you possibly can be, right? Then there is um, execution, right? So, and I'm, I'm, again, I'm adding a lot of E, I'm adding stuff to this. So I added intrinsic motivation, I added execution. Why, why do I add, um, why am I adding execution? Because when I got into the youth soccer space, I began to notice a major divide between what I would read, what people would say, what our coaches would say, what our parents would say, what our players would say. Major divide between what was said and what I would actually see in terms of video and real per in real life. And there's a major divide between theory and execution. So I've added that one. Another one I'm adding, and then this is a like to have, is the environment. You really want an environment that's conducive to you becoming to self-improvement. This is not a must-have, but it's a it really, really, really helps the situation. And then finally, uh, their reps, right? You got to get a lot of reps. So now let me just go over this again. So the foundation, the four essential ingredients is. You have to have a degree of, you have to have some time. You got to get some instruction, 
you need to put forth some effort and you got to get reps. If you do those four things, you will improve, right? So if we think about it like a house, that's your foundation. But if we want to fortify that foundation, not only do you have time and instruction, but you are inspired by someone, right? And you have a degree of uh, intrinsic motivation, right? And then uh, again, if we if we're more and more fortifying it, we're making this thing last forever. We talking pyramid foundation now, or the great pyramids. You need effort, you need execution, you need to enjoy what you're doing, and you need to be in an environment that's conducive to your self improvement. And then finally, uh, you need reps, right? You got to get a lot of reps. And they're they're going if you're if you're just joining this youth soccer space as a parent, you're going to read a lot of stuff. And I'm going to do a podcast on our content marketers. But some people are going to imply that you can get reps without knowing you're getting the reps. And the brain doesn't work that way. There are things you can do to make repetitions more enjoyable. There are things you can do to you know, get kids to practice certain skills without necessarily knowing it. But when you get into mastery, no, 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 no. The brain won't allow it. I don't care what I'm doing. I don't care how fun it is, what I'm doing is. You start doing that thing hours and hours, three to four days a week, the reps are, it is what it is, right? And your brain will then begin to say, this is not fun anymore, right? And then some other um, other factors need to um step in to keep you motivated. And we can talk about that in another show. So why am I saying all that? Because there appears to be this divide in the coaching community, especially, but among in the broader soccer community as well, there appears to be this divide that says, well, if a child is doing this for rec, um, you know, this, they don't think about this framework, but I'm going to, I'm throwing this framework out. This framework it really doesn't apply because it's just fun. This framework only applies to competitiveness, the competitive soccer. And there also seems to be this assumption that if they are playing at a competitive level, some kind of way it, it shouldn't be fun anymore. It's just a grind, or you're doing something to make it a grind. And the and I'm going to conclude with this: the strangest thing in the world is I use the same formula when I'm dealing with kids who are recreational as I do with kids who are ultra competitive and academy players and the same thing with my sons, I just tweak the, uh, the volume, right? So if they are a recreational player, I still approach it as they, they want to get something out of the program. So it requires some time, but it requires a lot less time, right? It only requires one day of practice and a game, but at the end of the recreational season, they will see some improvement if they come to practice and they come to the games i do think you know in a recreational environment they need some degree of instruction i just posted a video of a young lady that was this five years old and she does the exact same program my older sons do and academy kids do and she has gotten better and she's having a blast they need a lot of inspiration right so they need more inspiration from me than my quote-unquote academy kids because my academy kids hopefully have a higher degree of intrinsic motivation when it comes to soccer, right? But I'm still thinking about that. Like, I need to inspire them. It's not like I don't need to inspire my kids or inspire um, academy-level kids. I just, I need to inspire everybody to um, be the best they can. So in that same video that I posted on Facebook, maybe I'll share it here. I bought this young lady, she's five years old, a soccer ball because she lost a tooth 
And she was just so excited to tell me she lost her tooth. And I got her a soccer ball because I want her to play with that ball at home, even though she's wrecked. And I would do the exact same thing if if you told me it was 80%, buying that soccer ball was going to increase her chances of being professional. By 80%, I would do it. If you told me that buying that soccer ball is not going to change the 1%, I'm still going to do it. That's what I'm trying to get at. I kind of roll with the way I'm going to do things regardless. And I don't, I try my best not to typecast kids. They, you know, again, wreck. They need a degree of intrinsic motivation. They need to put stuff forth some effort. I still execute my recreational practices with the same degree of attention to detail and earnestness that I do with academy level training. It's just that the, the way you present this stuff, the speed at which you move and blah, blah, blah is different, right? So a lot of times people think, oh, it's rec. It should just be picking daisies. It's academy. It should just be really hardcore. I'm like, no, it's kind of the same. It's just, you're just tweaking the edges a little bit. Academy level kids enjoy playing games. I don't care if they're U21s. They enjoy chasing, tagging, racing, um, playing 1v1. They enjoy all that. And if they're U5, they enjoy tagging, racing, chasing 1v1 and all that stuff. But there are other things you can get out of them, out of both environments as well. And I'm kind of breezing through this. They got to enjoy it. I think where people get hung up on the enjoyment aspect of it, and I gotta, I'm going to do a separate podcast. I did a podcast on this, but I'm going to break these things down into smaller bite-sized chunks. It's not that the, my kids who are in competitive programs, including my sons, don't enjoy that experience. You look no further than my nine-year-old. He loves the experience. It's just that when you're in a competitive environment, in order for them to continue to enjoy the experience, they, at least in my opinion, need to improve at a rate that is at least on par with their peers who are also improving and their peers should be improving at an accelerated um, clip. And so in order to improve at an accelerated clip, there requires more, a higher level of delayed gratification activities. That's a mouthful, but I'm saying your enjoyment in a competitive environment or any environment is going to be relative to the environment you're in. So once I put them in a competitive environment, this is something that I need to be aware of. But it's not like I'm a drill sergeant because you're in competitive environment and I'm, um, you know, I'm Mickey Mouse in a rec environment. I just understand the environment that I put you in. And if you don't want to engage in these delayed gratification activities, that's totally fine. I'm an adult. You're a child. I won't explain it to them like this, but I'm going to find the environment that works best for them. And that's what I that's what I do with both my boys. That's why they're both in different clubs as we speak. And then obviously you gotta um you gotta get the reps and you have to have some external motivation, which we talked about. And here are a couple more clarifying points. It took a lot of self-reflection. This didn't happen overnight, but I decided that as a parent of a competitive soccer player, I was going to treat all the superficial stuff, things that I deem to be superficial in the competitive space. I was going to treat that exactly the same and give it exactly the same weight as I do when my children are in recreational environments, because I deemed number one, treating them differently did not improve their development and definitely didn't improve their enjoy, increase their enjoyment. If anything, it decreased it. So let me give you an example. I don't value games or their game performance in any 
way other than just enjoying their experience, right? And I treat their, my behavior on the sidelines during their competitive games is identical to my behavior on the sidelines in the recreational games. The only difference is, and that's my noticeable behavior, the only nuance there, the thing I will, things I will add is I do observe what they're doing in areas I think they can improve on. And I incorporate that into the anytime soccer training program, if it's not already, or into the instruction that I give them. But even when I do that, I try my best not to relate it to any specific game moment because it really doesn't matter. And it's just going to hurt my children's feelings. Now, this is not something that I want to preach to you about. I know this is an area that many, many, many of us struggle with, and I struggled with for years. This is year, year six. I've evolved into this. It's exactly the same. I don't value or care about which team they're on in terms of the pecking order, right? As long as they're in a good training environment and they are uh, in, in developing and improving and I can see the team is improving and all that kind of stuff, I am good. Again, not judging anyone. This is a decision that I made. Uh, I don't care about their rankings in any stretch of the imagination. And I don't care about what the other kids are or not or are not doing. And I don't care about the level of, of the kids in this regard. I just kind of focus on the areas that I have control over. So again, if someone were to tell me there was a number one ranked uh, 2010 uh, team in North Carolina that's next door. And there is the team that my son is on now. And one of those is going to increase his chances of the 80% of going into becoming a professional. I probably wouldn't change anything that I'm doing because I don't value, because I value what I value, which is self-improvement. And I think self-improvement will in, in being in the right training environment and being in an environment that inspires you with high standards and expectations will rule the day. Another very nuanced point, and I'm going to have to do a lot of shows dedicated on this. I don't necessarily believe that the bad behaviors that we see from sporting parents are driven by an irrational belief that their child is going to become a professional. Now, I know that's a strange one. I think these bad behaviors are emotional, irrational, part of being human. And we are actually fighting against two or three powerful forces. We're fighting against evolution. We are fighting against a few forces. So we're fighting against ev evolution in the sense that as parents, we want to see our kids succeed and we hate to see them fail and we want to protect them that's evolution right because failure you know a hundred a thousand years ago was being eaten by a wild animal or something so that's evolution then because of that evolution you have a lot of physical uh natural biological uh cellular um traits that are triggered when you see your child in a competitive environment 
And that's just something that we have to manage. And it's just part of our DNA and the way we are wired. And then there's another force, which is the marketing height. So for example, my younger son is on a team that happens to be called the Juniors Elite. And of the Juniors Elite, they just split the team, the, the, the cohort, into Team A and Team B, with Team A presumably being the better kids, right? So now we have to, as parents, we have to try to process that as well. Because now publicly, someone is telling you your child is not as good as the other children. And as adults, we sh we should just, it's just youth soccer. But at the same time, again, you're fighting against the marketing. You're fighting against evolution. You're fighting against emotions. You're fighting against public, how people perceive you as a parent. And these are all conversations that the parent um, education space just deems as a moral issue. And we're going to talk about that, where really is a lot going on there. And I reflected on this, I reflected on this and just said, you know what, I'm going to treat these superficial things or things I consider to be superficial, just like I do to the best of my ability, um, like I do in a rec environment. I celebrate their games. I don't talk during their games. I don't talk to them about their games. And I just incorporate things I see in their games um, in the training environment. And now that my older son is older, I will mention a few things to him but it's really around broader themes that we're working on for the entire year. And I don't really try my best not to assign it to any particular uh, game. We're gonna talk about animal spirits in the sense that I'm not perfect. This is what I'm telling you in theory. Of course, I'm human, so I make mistakes. I do this, I do that. But, but this is in theory what I'm trying to do. And this is what I want my sons, when they are interviewed, when they get older, to act, say about your dad. I want their, them to say, yeah, my dad didn't really care about the games or the team or the leagues or whether we won or whether we lost. He just cared about the training environment, whether I was enjoying it, was I trying to get better, what lessons did I take away from it? That's what I want them to say about it. And I don't think, I think the behaviors and the negative behaviors that we're seeing from sporting parents are not as simple as, oh, you think your child is going to go pro. And if you didn't, and if I, if I was able to demonstrate to you mathematically that that's unlikely, um, then you wouldn't behave this way. I think, I think I've seen rec play parents behave badly and competitive parents behave badly. And I don't even really think there's a, there's a strong correlation either way. I think it's just a matter of how the parent and how they frame this stuff in their heads. So then the next thing I want to reconcile is I focus on what is in the best interest of my children at that particular moment. And as my children get older and, you know, I try to make a decision that's on their best interest, not necessarily to increase their chances, but to increase their, to give them the every possible advantage that I can. Right. So who you cause, so you might say, well, this is cause it's hypocritical. Like next year I might say, Oh, the best situation for my son might be this MLS next team. And you may say that, Neil, that's, that's hypocritical. Well, I kind of think about it like choosing the right school, right? Where I want them to get the best education possible. I want them to get the best instruction possible, not because I want them to be a nuclear scientist. It's just, I want to do the best I can for my children. And if the facts on the ground change and that opportunity is to go to this particular school, that's what I'm going to do. But I'm not chasing schools because of this because I want them to get an MIT. And I know 
oh, if they people who go to this particular school go to MIT, I'm not doing that. I'm trying to get them, put them in the best environment for them. But when they are, and using the MIT example, if if they are 16 or something, or and I and someone says to me, well, they've expressed a desire to go to a to MIT or or Georgia Tech or some school that's known for math, science, and engineering, some STEM. And kids who go to the Triangle Math and Science Academy tend to have the skills needed to, to do well in those schools and those schools are feeders to those schools, then yeah, that might be something I consider. So I'm not saying you act you operate in a in a vacuum. I'm saying I have mentally uh uh decided um that I'm that I'm gonna focus on the areas I control and I'm not gonna treat competitive sports any differently based on some um specific outcome that may or may not be um possible so um so yeah so that's kind of where i'm at with that so i'm going to end this with one piece of inspiration for my children and the young people that are listening to this podcast. Now we talked about the 1% and it's less than a 1% chance to play at an ultra high level, but here's the reality of the situation. Less than 1% of parents and players are willing to do what is required to be even in the conversation of the 1%. That's a mouthful, but what it really boils down to is Yes, while the numerator over the denominator of all the people playing youth soccer is 1%, less than 1% of those folks are willing to do what it takes to play at a high level. So if you're willing to do what the one, what the 99% are not doing, your chances do increase uh, dramatically. But at the end of the day, you have to do it because you enjoy the process, you want to get better you you are happy with whatever results you get as long as you try the best you can. And how do I know this? Why am I saying this about the 1%? I train kids. I have friends and players and coaches who see my children accelerate in their skill and development and acumen. And they ask me, Neil, what is it that you do? And I just share a couple of tips with them. One of them is very easy to understand. Well, um, before games and before practice, they do 20 to 30 minutes of 80-time soccer training. And we typically do juggling, ball master, dribbling, passing, and finishing. They get it done, 25, 30 minutes. And that time, when you when you multiply those 30 minutes by four days a week, um, across an entire season ends up being more touches than the whole team gets combined the whole year. And cumulatively, Kobe Bryant taught this to us that over the years, at least from a skill perspective, there's a lot more that goes into it, but from a skill perspective, your ability will be unparalleled, will be unmatched by anyone who doesn't do this. A very simple formula. And here's a free account. You're my buddy. Take it. This is all you got to do. And if you don't do that, do something, right? You just kick the ball against the wall, which is also in there. They don't do it, right? So this is, they have living proof, evidence right in front of them. They even have a person, me, who is like, listen, we meet at this place before the game and before practice. If you just come, I will do it. 
and they don't do it. So, you know, so while that 1% number may be daunting, trust me, if you get out another list and list out 10 things that you're doing that no one else is doing, you, you know, being a professional is obviously not something you should be uh, trying to be too specific about, but you will be successful in the long run in whatever you're doing. And that's going to be a separate podcast. What are you doing differently than the other 99% of the people? And if you're doing the same thing that the other 99% of the people are doing, you're probably going to get what they get. And if you're doing something that only the 1% are doing, you're going to at least increase your um, probability of being successful in this thing or whatever you decide to do. All right. So I don't know if this made any sense whatsoever but in summary we are doing the best job we can with the resources available to us and we operate as parent trainers speaking on behalf as the mayor of parent trainers trainers we operate in the real world and in the real world we see immediately that if we put our kids in a competitive environment that requires skill the best way, or one of the best ways for them to continue to enjoy that environment long-term is to build those skills or to acquire those skills that will be needed for them to experience success. And it's as simple as yesterday, my young, you know, my older son, youngest son had a scrimmage against one of these teams. The club is massive. So one of their teams, and he scored two goals. We got this trace up um, video camera, which I'm going to put in the show notes. And what does he want to see? He wants he wants to see his two goals. He enjoys that. And how did why was he able to score those two goals? Because he has some skills from working with dad in the backyard, and of course, whatever the club is doing. I see that right. And the moment that the work that's required to acquire those skills outweighs his desire. Uh, or his enjoyment, then we find a program that fits his level. But if I have a piece of paper, and you could do this as, as well, you write on the right side the things you're doing, and you write on the left side the uh, things you would be doing if he, if your child was, if there was an 80% chance your child could become a professional soccer player. Um, I bet there won't be very many things you shift to the left side of the paper. And I don't know if I got the turn, got it right. So on the left side of things you, you're doing now, if they're in a competitive environment, because you're doing the best you can. And on the right thing, right side of the paper, the things you would be doing, if, if I came to told, if I came and told you there was a certain, certain behaviors that if you got those right, you could move the, and you, you could, you could increase your chances to 80%, 90%. I believe that there wouldn't be very many things that you would shift over to the left side of the paper because you're already doing the best you can with the knowledge that you have. And I believe that if I came to you and said, all right, show me your left side, show me your right side. Okay, there's a 1% chance your child is going to, be become a, is going to become a professional. So get rid of the things on the left side that you're currently doing. I don't think there's a lot of things that you're going to shift over to the right side. And if there are a lot of things you're going to shift over to the right side, 
because you're doing it because you think there's going to be some specific outcome and you're not satisfied with the process itself, I implore you to reconsider why you're doing what you're doing um, without trying to be too overly preachy. Um, and I can't say any other way, guys. So that's my summary here. I'd love to hear your thoughts. Neil Crawford, founder of Anytime Soccer Training, soccer dad, trying to do the best I can. Check out anytime-soccer.com. Your support means a lot to me. We have built a program that can take your kid from A to Z. And we've invested, or at least I've invested, a lot of time and energy to try to share a, a powerful resource with you and your team. So at a minimum, please join for free and really help me out. I love to see people join the um, program for free and send me positive or negative feedback. All right, guys, let's get better together.